0: Welcome to Farm Chica, the podcast dedicated to providing a holistic model for promoting sustainable lifestyles and ways to engage in traditional methods of homesteading. Join me, Renee Delgado Riley, a native-born New Mexican, as I share how I respect Mother Nature through easy-to-apply tips that anyone can do. Through this podcast, I hope to inspire you to tap into your ancestral roots and live a more traditional simple life that focuses on sustainability and respect to the earth. So join me as I share 20 to 30 minute tips that anyone can do. Welcome to Farm Chica's next podcast focusing on nature's elder plant. So who's the wisest berry in the patch? Alderberry that is. Join me today as I talk about the famous plant that's been known throughout history, multiple countries and cultures as nature's medicine. The elderberry is a famous plant where the medicinal uses have been found to reach as far back as ancient Egypt. Hippocrates, who's often named the father of medicine, described the elder plant as his medicine chest in which he used to cure a wide array of ailments. It is definitely not disputed that throughout history, this plant has been attributed to treating over 70 different types of ailments, from toothaches to fevers, cuts, burns, and preventing you from those winter blues of flus and colds. There are many different species of wild elderberry. Sambuscus nigra is the European elder, which is a deciduous shrub that grows to about 20 feet tall and 20 feet wide. Typically on this species, only the berries And the flowers are edible, but every other part of the plant can be used to make things ranging from tools, musical instruments, and even insect repellents. In fact, throughout history, many farmers were known to attach alderberry twigs to cattle ears in order to keep insects and vermin away. They are known to have hollow branches, which make them a popular material to make any kind of wind instrument, such as a flute. The main trunk of an elderberry plant was strong and used to make a variety of things such as stakes, fences. The leaves, bark and berries were also very dark and so they were often used as a dye for black and purple. During the Victorian era, distilled alderflower water was popular with those who wanted a younger, brighter, healthier complexion. Another common species of elderberry is the common elderberry, Sambuscus nigra, can uh, densis, sorry for those, um, I'm not a scientist, I am a researcher, but uh, those pronunciations are always tough for me. So some alternative names, um, this is a domestic U.S. species often known as Arizona elderberry, American elder, sweet elder, wild elder, and even New Mexican elderberry. Yay for us New Mexican. Elderberries um, are well known to the natives and Indians of North America, Um, Many purposes that they've been utilized um, by the Spaniards over time and throughout the months of July and August, small clusters of berries were gathered in large quantities and saved and dried for the winter season. Elderberries have always been regarded as an important source to our health. Um, And in fact, they are an excellent source of vitamin A, which helps aid in vision and immune health as well as cell growth. Vitamin C is present in the elderberries to help promote healthy skin, teeth, bones, and immune health. Elderberries also have an excellent source of vitamin D, which we know from research helps fight depression. There's also an excellent source of anthocyanins, which are great for reducing the sinus swelling and inflammation that comes with any kind of flu or cold. Flavonoids are also found in the elderberries, which have powerful antioxidant properties, which may help prevent prevent any kind of damage to your cells. And so this is why throughout history, elderberries have been dried and eaten and consumed and been used to treat a lot of ailments because of the purpose that they've been known to actually support immune health in the long term. So elderberries are a great source also of iron and potassium, which helps fight off anemia and lower blood pressure, which can also reduce the risk of stroke and heart disease. So join me today as I talk through how to use elderberries, how to grow them, uh, different ideas on how to make tonics that get through through the winter, and some of my own tips on how I use my own elderberry syrup and my own elderberries. Elderberries are a great fruit, a great plant throughout history. As I mentioned, they were used for multiple purposes. Twigs and fruits can be used for creating baskets and dyes, as well as a shaft of arrows, musical instruments. And in the Middle Ages, elderberry was considered a holy tree capable of restoring that good health and keeping good health to aid in longevity. And a lot of natives actually saw superstitions. If you ever burned elderberry wood, um, it would actually be a bad omen. So definitely there was recognition long ago by our ancestors that elderberries are a great plant to protect and support. And so fruits of elderberry are still used today, either gathered from the wild or harvested from one's own backyard for wine, jellies, candies, pies, sauces, and the most important component, which now in the pandemic is even more important, is focusing on immune health in the form of the famous elderberry tonic. So before we talk about how to use an alderberry plant and how to actually grow it, let's talk a little bit about just in its environment as a wild species um, there are a lot of different habitats that will gravitate towards elderberries um, game bird squirrels and other rodents um, those kind of browsers in the wild will actually feed on the foliage of elderberries so definitely humans are not the only um, things out there also bears love to eat the elderberry fruit wild deer on the other hand as well as elk and boos tend to just browse on the stems of the foliage okay. They also can attract different kinds of songbirds. So the western blue and the indigo bunting are some common birds that will be attractive to the actual elderberry plant. Uh, Stellar jays, also um, mockingbirds, and red-breasted nuthatch are also very much um, attracted to wild elderberries. So there's definitely a great... Um, kind of environment and ecosystem that elderberries bring to our environment. So these are perennial fruits. Um, These are something that you plant once and you prune every year and they come back and they constantly give generations of families and their different ecosystems, lots of things to, to benefit from over the years. Um, honestly, you can even go to somebody who has a great elderberry plant and get some cuttings and plant those sticks with the hope that they will grow into a beautiful plant themselves. Um, elderberries grow um, very fast within the season. Um, so depending on if you want to have the European species or one of many of the domestic species, They're really easy to find online. Um, We've gone through One Green World based out of Portland. They have a great selection of elderberry. Just check your zone of growing and determine the best time to plant those elderberry clippings or plant those plants that you get at your local nursery or online from a reputable distributor. Another great company um, is River Hills Harvest, where you can get not just the, the plantings, but you can also shop their different types of syru- um, syrups and tonics, and you can get freeze-dried elderberries and actually directly source products. Um, however, they do um, you can buy their clippings. However, you have to place a very large bulk order typically. So it's just another company to look at. They also have great processing equipment. Um, we've actually bought a um processing piece of where you put the berries on and then you rub them in and it catches them. Um, and then it kind of gets rid of the dead ones. You can buy it in two parts. It's their hands hand de-stemming tray which is over their little sanitizing basket Um, it is quite pricey about 500 bucks but if you grow them at the rate we do as well as use them at the rate that i use in the kitchen and also to make wine um, this is a really good investment long term but um, when i talk about in a minute how to use them i'll give you some tips uh, without this equipment so once you've decided to grow them, uh, let's focus on the different parts of the plant. So the flowers are the mildest part of the plant. They smell amazing. Um, they can be used to be prepared as a tea, um, which can use be used actually to break like dry fevers. Um, it also stimulates perspiration. It can help in headache and indigestion and twitching eyes, um, and a lot of these other things. So typically the way that I use the elderflower um, is I clip them when they're very fragrant in the morning when it's not super hot. And this is typically in New Mexico around mid to late July. I take those beautiful smelling flowers. I clean them really nicely in a sanitizing solution, restaurant grade. And I cut them up in a large quart size or half gallon jar. And I pour a hundred proof alcohol in it and let it sit for two weeks Strain it out and make a simple syrup and mix that beautiful golden yellow colored elderflower liqueur with that simple syrup, and it makes a beautiful Saint Germain, which is a very expensive liqueur, a very subtle liqueur that can be mixed for cocktails. There's lots of Saint Germains or elderflower cocktails available out there, but my favorite one is about a shot of st germain with just some wonderful prosecco or champagne and bubbly and it tastes amazing you can also soak those leaves and make an elderflower water which is good for any kind of wounds or any kind of bruises or sores on kind of any animals or you can actually put that in your bath and channel in the victorian era for that beautiful youthful skin uh, the leaves are a little bit stronger and they have slightly a laxative property, so typically they could be steeped with some water and given to aid in any kind of constipation or GI problems in that regard. They could also be made into mixed with some other things, chamomile, um, to help with the swelling of bee stings as a topical. So, as you could see, elderberry gets a lot of support as a medicinal plant, as something that can be a healing agent, and often referred to as the healing parts of nature. However, if you do want to fight the flu, I still suggest you get your flu shot, and there's a lot of uh, research that's been done on Algebra-y. Um some things that have supported that it does shorten your flu and cold symptoms and can actually help you get over your cold and flu faster. However, there's still a lot of research to be done, um, so many professionals actually recommend that you use elderberry as part of a larger diet and kind of wellness plan um but and it does include a lot of its vitamins but coupled with a nutritious lifestyle will only help you um improve the elderberry effectiveness and so overall um the elderberry the actual berry itself is high in vitamin C um and dietary fiber so like 1 cup of elderberries alone has about 26 grams of carbs 0.7 grams of fat and 1 gram of protein and it's basically a super fruit it's an antioxidant Researchers actually think it's the complex um, sugars or the compound that makes the elderberries like that blue, purplish, black color that actually is the part of the elderberry that's the most powerful and potent for you. Just to note, when harvesting the berries, anything that's unripe or uncooked um, from the plant can actually induce nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. So the process is to make sure that you're cooking those. Also, it is recommended if you're pregnant or breastfeeding, you want to be careful and work with your doctor. The European species of elderberry, um parts of the bark, branches and twigs, and even the leaves can be a little toxic. Um, they have a type of cyanide called Glycoside. So these are definitely um, in moderation. You want to be careful um, when ingesting anything like that. The American species doesn't quite have that. Um, I actually went to a workshop at the Albany Mother Earth News Fair, and that actually kind of walk through um, the differences in the species of the American species of elderberry, and they definitely aren't as toxic and don't have that cyanide component. And with anything that you've never integrated into your system, just be mindful, try it in small microdoses before really kind of going off the deep end and over ingesting anything just to make sure that your body is not hypersensitive to the components of elderberry. During the first year of harvest of any kind of elderberry plant is going to be small, but then um, once those plants overwinter, they only become stronger and stronger, just like any other perennial plant or fruit tree that you plant. Their second year, if they get through that winter, will just be plentiful, and then from years to come and generations to come, their growth will just be amazing, and thus their harvest of flowers and berries will be fantastic. To retain its vigor, um, make sure you prune it annually. Um, Remove any dead, broken, or weak branches throughout the growing season. The birds love the fruit and they will pick it off. So if it is an issue in your area, you can always cover the plant with a netting just like some folks do with their fruit trees. Depending on where you're at, um, the harvest time can be anywhere from late July to mid-August to mid-September, just depending on your region and the type of cultivar or species you have. The clusters of berries will let you know when they're ripened. Um, I suggest not harvesting anything that has any green berries on it. You want to make sure everything is dark colored or whatever color that berry is, whether it's a dark purple or more of a dark blue or dark black. Um, I've had a bunch of different types of cultivars and it just kind of depends, but you will notice that if there are no more green berries, um, that is the best time that that plant can be harvested. So what I like to typically do is early in the day, not at the bid time of the day when it's really hot, since this is usually typically a hotter part of the year, is I go out there with clippers and I clip those berry bunches off and I just put in a big bucket. Um, Fortunately, I have that fancy de-stemming bucket, which makes it really easy. However, if you don't have that, don't worry. Um, You can still do it without this. I've done it without this in the past. Um, What I typically do is I go inside and clean off those berries, um, wash them really good, and I dry them off and I stick them in Ziploc bags and put them in the freezer. And I let them probably about a day or so pull them out and all those berries are frozen and then I just take a fork or my finger and I just pick them off um, into a large bowl and then I place those in a large pot and depending on the berries um, it, it's like a 4 to 2 ratio um I guess so 2 to 1 essentially is for every like 4 cups of elderberries I'll put in like 2 cups of water and I let those boil on the stove for about an hour with nothing added um, I'm really just trying to extract that juice and then I take the elderberries off and I strain them over like a fancy chinois, and I let them soak and I push um, it through with like a wooden spoon or anything to kind of push the berries and smush them. Or if you have a brewer's bag or a fancy sieve, you can do it the same way and really you're just traditionally extracting that juice and you get all that elderberry juice. So what do you want to do with that juice? Well, you can um, use it in any uh, jelly recipe. Um, You can literally take it as it is and put it in the fridge and use it for anything. Um, But typically, I don't really like the way (laughs) the elderberry juice tastes in that state. So what I do is I put it back in the pot, all strained out. I add in, um, depending on my ratio, but um, I usually add in lemon juice, mainly because I'm planning on canning it. I add in ginger... I add in cinnamon, um, and I kind of just let it simmer for about an hour and a half, and it creates that beautiful um, flavor. And then I add in the sugar, and that's what gives you your tonic. So before I end this podcast, I will give you the exact ratios of that for recipe cooking, but you can actually just Google elderberry tonic recipes. Um, There are a couple different types of recipes out there. Some that you just put in the fridge, but I like to can mine. So they're more shelf stable. And that is the addition of that lemon juice. I've made elderberry jelly before, and that's actually really tasty. It almost tastes just like a grape jelly because the elderberry is a cousin to the grape. So it's high in tannins, which makes it a great substitute. Hence why last year was the first year that I used elderberries to make wine. Um, the elderberry wine is still aging right now. It's already finished with its secondary ferment, and I put some toasted oak chips in, and so I'm excited uh, to eventually get it to um, its place of bottling. It's not there. It's, uh, again, the cousin to the grape, so it's going to age a lot longer, just like when you go in and get your typical uh, more intense grape wine, such as any kind of Cabernet or anything on that line those have been aged for a couple of years. And so it's going to be a bit until I bottle that, but it's uh, about six months in and it smells amazing. It looks amazing. It looks like any other red wine. So I'll keep you posted on how that's going as a wine. Uh, This is my first time venturing into winemaking with elderberry. And so I'm excited to see the outcome, but I have used it in a jelly. And again, it tastes just like the grape jelly, Uh, way better than Spuckers. I promise you homemade jelly is better for you in so many ways. It doesn't have all the preservatives um, and it's all natural and it has cane sugar. Um, So typically elderberry, um, the two uses that I use from the plant um, is early in the season. I do take the flowers and I make that homemade elderflowery liqueur, aka St. Germain, which I walked you through earlier. Um, I've given that away as gifts. Um, People really love that. Again, it's really There's tons of recipes out there for St. Germain cocktails. But typically, I make it into an Algebraic tonic. And that tonic can be taken daily as added to your wellness regime. Or you can add it to different things. Um, You can add soda water to it to make it bubbly. You can add it to cocktails and have an Algebraic cocktail. Um, And again, you can just add it to teas. Um, Essentially, it becomes a really... Um, delicious fruit juice, and because I can it, it's shelf stable. And so when I open it, I I typically take a shot glass full every day. In addition to my wellness shots, which are ginger, turmeric, pepper, and chili powder, and that's the way that I use it. However, I came across another recipe where there is a fermented elderberry juice, which is non-alcoholic. So it's a way to make kind of that fermented bubbly but in non-alcoholic. So I've never tried that. So that's something that I'll definitely look into. But in ser- terms of making that traditional elderberry tonic, elderberry syrup, winter tonic, um, if you've never had one, I suggest ordering some. Again, River Hills Harvest is a great place to order stuff like that. But essentially it's elderberries, ginger, Cinnamon and any kind of sweetener. Um, so I can't process honey; it just doesn't sit well with my GI. So I typically rely on cane sugar. But you could also use raw honey in place of any kind of sweetener. So a good recipe. Once you've um, boiled down those berries with water and extracted the juice, for every four cups of elderberry juice, I add about a third cup of sugar. Um, I either add a whole cinnamon stick or I do about maybe two tablespoons, or not tablespoons, I'm sorry, two teaspoons of cinnamon. Um, I've even seen people put cloves in. Also Penske's pie spice, I've actually used that. That's a perfect spice because it has cloves, cinnamon, nutmeg, and ginger. Um, But if you don't have that, um, two teaspoons of cinnamon, Um, You can throw in a whole clove and a tablespoon of fresh ginger or two teaspoons of ginger. If you're not a ginger fan, uh, I suggest maybe a half teaspoon. So really, the, the spices are really your preference and what you like. But the most important components for every four cups elderberry juice, it's a third cup sweetener. So whether that's cane sugar or honey. Um, I've never tried it with maple syrup, so I, I, I'm not an expert when it comes to that. But definitely, I've, I've done honey before. I just, I personally haven't consumed it. And then the most important piece is you can use this recipe as is, but if you add the quarter cup of lemon juice to this four cups of juice, you now get something that can handle the canning process. And I usually just use water bath canning and makes those cans shelf stable and so with elderberry juice, um, I let it simmer for an hour or more just until it smells fragrant. And then I taste it and it's delicious as is. I um, ladle that into sanitized canning jars. I typically will use quarts or pints. Um, anything smaller is just not worth it personally. <laughs> and then I'll process those for about 15 to 20 minutes depending on where I'm at. If I'm in New Mexico at elevation, I tend to lean closer to 20 minutes, but you just water bath can them and then they're good until forever, personally. But because I drink a lot of elderberry and I give a lot away, it tends to only make it through one season. And in sum, if you haven't figured it out yet, elderberry plants are some of the best perennials to plant in your backyard, homestead, or farm. Um, they're a great addition, they're healthy. Their nature is super fruit, and historically, um, our ancestors have been using them for a long time, um, integrated into their daily lives, and elderberry is very tasty. I've never personally ventured into using elderberry for pie making. Um, like I said earlier, I have made jelly out of it, and it's really tasty. Um, I do know if you do make a pie, you need to cook that filling before putting it in any kind of pie shell recipe of your choice. Um, so just make sure you distem those really good. Um, fresh elderberries are very stemmy. Um, it's a lot of work, and so for me, it's just uh, it's a lot to have all those berries come off that bush. And so it's just much easier for me to get as as many stems as possible, boil them down, and then strain them through that fancy chinois and get the juice. It's just a much easier process for me. Although I could probably sit there and pick out, hand pick the berries out in order to use them for a pie. But personally, that's just not something I've ever made the time for. Um, again, invest in Penske's Pie Spice. That's a really good addition to any elderberry tonic or just use ginger, cinnamon, and clove of your choice. Um, again, thank you for listening. Um, this was really fun to walk you through one of my favorite superfruits. I look forward to chatting about our next topic, which will be focused on fruit trees.